Hello, and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is Nick Flanagan. I don't know why I went up there in my voice. I don't know why I do a lot of things. And I don't need to explain why I do them. But I do need to point out that I do them. Hi, this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I host this podcast, which contains my name. So generally, that's how it goes. Uh, this is a podcast that is solo sometimes, but a lot of the time there's interviews. Generally once a week. This week, it's a returning guest. None other than my good friend, and I mean that. A very good friend. Someone who I talk to voluntarily outside of the world of podcasting. Someone who saw me grow. Who I saw grow. We've known each other for 20 plus years. Her name is Allison Baker. She is a member of Dirty Ghosts. We've been in a band together, and she's been also in a band called Parchment Farm. She does all kinds of amazing things, honestly. She's played with all of her musical heroes. Not all, but a lot of them. Anyway, Allison's band Dirty Ghosts, which in terms of songwriting, Allison is a major, 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 major driver there have a new song out. It is called Strange Weather. You can hear it at dirtyghosts.bandcamp.com or find the music video which she put together during quarantine on YouTube. So um, without any further ado, I just am really proud of this conversation. We, we, we've talked before, but that was more of a general talk. This one, we really get into what influenced her. Uh, she's an amazing guitarist, great songwriter, and uh, we kind of get into perfectionism, uh, a lot about her musical influences and um, how they've changed over the years and uh, about learning songwriting from listening to music uh, and a lot more. So remember, Dirty Ghosts are on Twitter and Instagram under that name, Dirty Ghosts. And it's a Norm MacDonald reference, I'm just saying. And also, uh, yeah, dirtyghost.bandcamp.com. And of course, this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. We've got Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, blah, blah, blah. Check that out and enjoy my talk with Allison Baker. I love you. So I'm going to just finish. I'm just going to finish what we were talking about. Yes. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm just moving. This desk is full of shit, and I'm just trying to get my water in a place where... I'm just trying to make some space here. Sounds like the government. Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm mad today. Why? Are you recording? Is this going? It is. Yes. Oh, shit. Okay, what's up? Uh, no, I don't know if I'm mad. I'm always mad at the government. This is how we're starting? Yeah, aggro. All right. But uh, what was what were we talking about earlier? Something about... Uh, you asked me a question, and I was going to answer it on air. I don't know. Damn. Well, guess that's. I guess we've got this in the can now. Yeah, it's getting off to a real strong start. Oh my god! <laughs> Wearing a comfortable hoodie. I am. Yes. And yet, you're crit- criticizing me. You can't just sit in the comfort of your clothes. It's hard. It's been. It's only been like thirty seconds. <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, bashed, cut, okay. Yeah, yeah. The host. Yes. Do you think I have to introduce you, like, in the conversation part of the podcast? I always kind of 
I mean, that's that's your job. I can't tell you. Because I record a part where I go, you guys all remember I talked to my friend Allison Baker, of course, who I was in the Team Core Combo band with, and she's in Dirty Ghost, and she's been in other bands. And you got to check out her the new single, Strange Weather. Um, but to say that, to introduce you now, feels redundant. Well, you just did it, right? The trick is, that's what you <gasps> You'd sort of step outside of the embarrassment, and but you still say the thing. Right. That's my style. Oh, that's pretty. Well, that was good. Yeah. Defective. Did you say defective? I didn't, but. But? But I, no, I don't know. I thought it was effective. You know, I, we might have already talked about this, but the reason it's so, as the kids say, epic that we're uh, having these chats, these t recorded talks. Yeah. Because um, we've done this before. We have. Over 20 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes join you on the mic at CIUT, the college radio station in Toronto. And that was fun, yeah. Posted a show with a very 90s name. It was called, say, one, two, three. Hell, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Sweet. Yeah. One, bro. It wasn't bro. Was it bro? Like people go, like there was that band tight bro from way back when. Like, oh, bro down. That was a big thing people said back. This was, I feel like this was before bro down. Well, this was pre bro down for sure. This was, yeah. I don't even think people had slang at that time. There wasn't much of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we would talk on air and the feedback would be good. And uh, now there's no feedback. <laughs> the feedback was generally like one phone call every four shows. Yeah. Or like you see somebody who like you knew and they'll be like, oh, it was pretty good. And frankly, I'm still getting that kind of feedback about everything we do together. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I feel like I don't re recall any feedback for that radio show. It was a great radio. It was fun. I mean, I was—I had no idea of what was going on outside of that room, so I don't know if anyone was listening or if it was interesting or, you know, I think I was just amusing myself and whoever else was in the room. Which was me and yep. at the time our friend Jamie and bandmate. Yeah. And uh, maybe our. Friend she was my. She was like my Ed McMahon. Yeah, she was your co-host, basically. Yeah. Very cool person. Far away in Newfoundland. So far, yeah. Far away from pandemic, so good for her. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on over there. Can't be that bad. No. Are you itchy? Uh, yeah, I was itchy. <laughs> I heard some serious, like, moving noises. I'm sorry, I just, I had to deal with that. It's okay. We'll get rid of it in post. Great. How would you describe my persona so far for this interview? I'd say chipper. I am chipper. I'm fucking overjoyed to see you. We talk a lot, but... We do. <laughs> that's, a, that's what they call in the business a mic drop, but a different kind. Mic drop. <laughs> this is... Normal for me to knock the mic over. Right. Right. Um, anyway, 
Yeah, so it's nice to see your punim. As it's nice to see you too. And I've got good lighting today. Lighting rules. Uh, I'm in a very white space. Yeah, you're well lit as well. And uh, I love, uh, you got a rock background back there. Yeah, I'm in the studio. Yeah, and where's the studio? The studio is in the back of the house. It's a converted garage. It's a, um, it's a nice medium-sized space full of gear where music is made, recorded, rehearsed. And and, uh, and podcasts are filmed, recorded. Right now. Has there been a few? There's been, yeah, actually there has. You're on a press junket, as they say. I read, <laughs> yeah, I am. Is a junket like a type of boat? <laughs> <laughs> like, is it a barge? Kind I don't, of? I'm not sure. I've never heard it in any other context. Right. Like, nobody's like, uh, if you'll excuse me, I have to use the junket. <laughs> <laughs> like stop being such a junket man i'm trying to enjoy my sandwich exactly um but yeah you're on a bit of a press push for the the big hit uh song great song strain yep. yeah tell me the credits for this song oh well uh this one was created during the time of quarantine yes. coronavirus 19 yeah so this was not a full band production, although every time we record or release something, it's always different because it's always, it's like years go by. Yeah. Um, but right now, because uh, of what we were doing or because of what was going on with quarantine, um, it was just me and Kelly Stoltz, who I live with, who played a bunch of keyboards and the drums, and then I think I did the rest. But you guys aren't roommates. No, um, we're romantic partners. Common law. That's the word. Anyway, so he played, he played the drums, did you say? He played the drums. I mean, you can't, it, it, he, the drums on that recording are, it's a drum loop. Yeah. So I recorded him playing the section for I don't know, two minutes. And then I think we grabbed maybe 20 seconds of it and then I looped it up and then, you know, we did this very, um, I don't know what the word for it is, but we just kind of grabbed rolls from here and here. It was very cut and paste. Yeah. I, and I, then we had a drum machine that was kind of blasting over the top of it. Patchwork. Pestiche. Patchwork. Yes. Um, so you make, loops you can make the beats now right yeah it's not it's not super hard you just need pro tools or garage band or some logic yeah yeah like some program it's that easy oh yeah i mean i made a theme song oh you know that my, my oh god theme song i made a while ago and i just pressed a button and there was kind of like a click track and i just kept that as the drums that's fine too. That totally works. But it's really, I mean, don't underrate yourself. You make the beats, you get on the, yep. always talking to me about working on that keyboard. A little bit. I'm, I'm good at like the two, the, the two index finger keyboard style of playing. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to get there too. I have my alligator keyboard and then I have a new key rig keyboard and I, I don't really know how to play, but you can still get sound out if you don't know. I'm like a step above you. I'm not well, far. I think, I think with that kind of stuff, piano stuff, it's like if you have been doing music for a while, like you can know what sounds all right. It's just a sure. Probably not having someone play the keyboards if you're in the band, like live, you know, right. like not playing the keyboards and having someone else to do it. Sure. You guys, the Dirty Ghosts, have a have a synth player, don't you? Uh, yeah, Corey Largent, who also plays guitar in the band, plays keyboards live. Good. And Tony Sevener is on the drums. And Alicia Vanden Heuvel is on the bass. You've spoken very well of all of these people. Too. They're all wonderful. Yeah, love them all. Private and now in public, too. I'm sad I don't get to see them. We usually rehearse in this space back here, but it's, I think it's going to be a while before that happens again. I think I've slept in that space. I'm sure you have. Yeah. In, in beautiful San Francisco. Yeah. In the heart of the Mission District. Yeah, you could say that. An address you want to share? <laughs> it doesn't have to be your address. Um, yeah, let's wait till the after show. <laughs> then I can send you some mail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what type of snacks are on on display at your typical pre-COVID Dirty Ghost practice? Well, there's usually chips, lots, lots of chips. Um, sometimes there will be a burrito run because there's great obviously there's great mexican on every corner around here wow. so yeah there's always like a, a large snackening followed by a slow start to the rehearsal then we get some you know we get some power once the food's been digested yeah uh, and then we get tired yeah and then we everyone you know everyone leaves and then i immediately go to the kitchen and just hit the cupboards for more Oh my God. I got, I, I went shopping today, you know, I'm on mm -hmm. the island and, uh, sure. Well, it was hell like being back on land. It's so lame. And, uh, I bought like all these snacks. I bought like $1 bulk store trail mix and. So you, you guys still have access to bulk foods because here it's just all gone. Oh yeah, like we're we're doing all kinds of contradictory half measures all the time. Interesting. You know, our, there is not a full bulk bin in anywhere in the city. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I bought, I did dip in, I did use the scoop for certain spice purchases, mm -hmm. but uh, the trail mix was pre-wrapped as were these things allegedly called honey mustard pretzels but they were very far from the Snyder's oh yeah sugar mustard. those are the best I was really hoping for something closer to that but you know they didn't it, it wasn't like a kill a horse amount of salt yeah right sugar or whatever the hell yeah is. sugar those are so good but yeah all I'm saying is you know I need the podcast snacks too and I'm enjoying an adult beverage well, that's great. What are you, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Craft beer called Ace Hill. Very nice. Gave it to me because they need a change for the laundry machine. 
Mm-hmm. Even have the change, and they say, "Well, take the beer anyway." That's very nice. People are nice to me. Yeah, well, they should be. You're a nice person. People are nice to you too, right? Some people, most people. Yeah, most people are nice to me, of course. Everyone I know holds you in very high regard. Well, maybe you don't know a lot of people. <laughs> Look on Facebook. I know a lot of people. Yeah, that's, you do know a lot of people. That reminds me, let's see. I put out a call for uh, if people had any questions. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to have questions yet. I'm just going to have them ready because I want to know more about writing this song, Strange Weather. Sure. And what you'd been listening to, what like what were you listening to at that time? Does what you're listening to have an impact on the music as you make it? I think so. Sometimes I'll have something in mind that, like I'll have an idea of something that I want to do. I'll hear a sound in my head and I don't really know what it is exactly, but it's kind of like, it's like seeing something and it's blurry and you know there's something in front of you, but you can't fully see what it is. So sometimes if I have a, a faint idea of maybe what that's going to look like, I'll start listening to things that I think would be in the vein of that. Oh yeah, that's cool. Maybe stuff like that. So I kind of, with this song, I, I always have ideas of what I like that kind of thing. Like I know what I want it to sound like, but I can't describe it and it doesn't exist, but it's like a combination of all these things that I love, but I can't actually go out and find one group or artist that's doing that thing that I want to hear. So that's kind of how it comes. So you've never really had anything where you put something on and you're like, Oh, they did the, oh, all, no, no, no. All the time. All the, like our last record sounds like XTC and the Stranglers verbatim and devo also at moments i was listening to it earlier today i was like oh i better revisit metal moon the yeah i i don't know what i don't know that's let it pretend yeah that the first album is less obvious as far as like what my influences are and i don't know what i was listening to and and also that was written over the course of five years so the first album yeah so i just think that i don't my taste in music probably are changing and I'm finding new shit out. It was a lot. You're always finding new shit out, you know, since I knew you. Um, You're always the person who's at a concert of someone who, like you're the kind of person who will think some music is really cool and you're just going to follow through on seeing this musician no matter whether they're popular and then when they are, you know, or not. And like Helios Creed, I remember seeing Helios Creed from Chrome with you and, and it wasn't that busy a show, you know? No, no. And, and uh, you're still going to go. And, and there's, there's a lot of people. I mean, we know a lot of people like that. I think that's sure. a group of people that we know or even grew up with or whatever. But you've always been like that, I think. And I think that... Yeah. You think that, sorry, you cut out. What did you say? I think that's healthy. I think it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's like now you can officially call people posers. <laughs> you've, got, you've earned that right. Not that you ever would. Right. Canadian. I, yeah, I don't know. I like to see bands. I am a avid music listener and fan, big music fan. And 
I don't know. My life just revolves around music. I'm obsessed. Well, okay. Before we leave the subject of strange weather, which we might not. Okay. Whole discussion of that song. And uh, uh, like you didn't really say what music you did rush to listen to, to try to um, clarify the sounds in your head. Oh yeah. So I was listening. There's this really great double LP that's a, it's called, what's it called? I can't remember, but it's all, um, it's like Nigerian disco and. Okay. That's a, it's a Nigerian disco compilation. It's so good. And I forget who put it out. I think it came out in the last couple of years. There is so much cool African music. It's crazy, especially mm -hmm. stuff come on my Spotify. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's, and I don't know, I'm in, I'm locked into some kind of good algorithm and it'll be like Nigerian. It won't really be quite disco, but it won't be that far from it. It'll be like, yeah. a, like an Afro funk that sounds almost like the children choir music without that much fella cootie influence, if that makes any sense. Yeah, kind of. There's so much of that music. It's so good. And there's that band Witch, like there's the more rock kind of African music and that stuff's like amazing. Yeah, stuff is great. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's cool to, so, so that's a double LP that we- Yeah, so I was, I wa actually to go back, I, w I was totally was listening to that. Yeah. And trying to figure out ways to, you know, extract sounds from that and bring it into what I wanted to do. And then there's this other band that I love called Cabaret Volker. Yeah, I never really liked them. They're so great. They're they're more on the electronic side, but they've been around since the 70s and I think they were putting out music maybe until the 90s and it was progressing obviously along the way in terms of, you know, what they were using and um like it was more crude it was more crude in the beginning and you know old crude drum machines and then it kind of got slicker as time went on and um mm -hmm. technology improved mm -hmm. but yeah there's some of that like early to mid 80s cabaret voltaire that i really love and i think there's stuff from that that i was trying to you know trying to take a little from that too and but their songs are more groove based. Like the, they will kind of ride out a groove for an entire song. Maybe without, they don't have like big choruses and big verses and stuff like that. They shouldn't because that would make them a different band. So I was trying to think of ways to do that, you know, have the dynamics of the chorus and the verse and the, that kind of stuff, the, whatever you want to call it more. Mm. I don't know, but um yeah i think i was thinking of those two things actually yeah, and that's a classic move kind of to to go, to pick and choose from like a lot of different or even just one thing but try to fix it in uh, fit it into like a, a more traditional like framework or whatever yeah but i don't want to do cabaret voltaire and i don't want to do nigerian disco compilation well that's what i'm saying is like but you want to take either one sound from each or a spirit. Yeah, I'm trying to take the essence, you know? The most important thing is that you're not taking vocal cues from... <laughs> no, 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 no. Nigerian stuff, you know? No, 
that would be good. I think something cool that's happening right now is like African rap and British rap are the most exciting of raps. I'm not, a, fill me in. I don't really have much to fill you in further. I just go on playlists and I, I listen to like pop, pop hip hop in, in the UK is a lot of it sounds like Drake because Drake borrowed from it, you know? And okay. then there's stuff that's like more, aggressive which you know when we when we heard dizzy rascal or whatever way back in the day sure was it was great but it felt a little not novelty but you know what i mean like i do know what you mean i know what you mean like a cherry picked make it a hit this is uk rap kind of don't worry about the rest of it kind of hit you know what i mean yeah and uh but it actually makes that it, it really did kind of like introduce people to that sound so when you listen to stuff that has that sound now you can pick out like mm-hmm. the, um just m- m- it's much more individual feeling as like a listener who is not from the uk sure and dave who's huge and he's like so close to drake and then i just listened to comps uh on uh like playlists of south african or nigerian rap and it's really similar to the stuff that you hear uh, in the U.S., but it's got it's almost better because it it makes like more sense the way they're singing and and it's huh. really melodically driven. It's cool. I wish I, I had. Gotta, I gotta check it out. Well, I gotta check out Calbert Cal, Cal, Cowboy Calbray Cal, Cal, Calamari Voltaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you're listening to this stuff and then. You're deciding you're taking like that, that loop you were talking about. has. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not deciding anything. I think I just, I'll listen to stuff and just absorb it in my subconscious mind. Yeah. And I think I'll have an idea in my head when I'm making a song that, Oh, I want to have, you know, a driving, like a driving groove beat. That's kind of like something the cabaret Voltaire would do that they haven't done. Right. Yeah. That kind of thing. Or, you know, if I'm with strange weather, when I was playing the keyboards parts and same with Kelly, it was like, I think we were probably in the same types of scales as that type of music, but I don't think I came in thinking like, this is what I want to do. It's probably just what, what came out. Cause it's what I've been listening to lately. Yeah. I mean, uh, I did some research and I, <laughs> okay. Uh, by listening to the Danko Jones podcast that you were on and you were talking about something that I kind of already knew because of when we were in team card combo that you kind Mm -hmm. of had songwriting, like you heard the songs pretty clearly in your head. And then it was just about kind of, well, with us, with you and I, yeah. Sort of matching up lyrics to phrasing to where it is in the song. And uh, I and and I'm just wondering, like, was that something that kept happening, or is it like a weird thing that happens when we're younger and we're getting ex- and we're so excited about what we're doing? I don't know. It's it's different because 20 years ago I knew so much less. Yeah, which is a blessing almost. It's a blessing. Yeah, exactly. But I I didn't know. I mean, I didn't understand anything about actual songwriting as a craft until I was in my 30s. I didn't pay attention to it ever. 
And I think I thought I knew what it was until I started meeting people that were like, oh, you know, have you ever read about it? Have you ever read a book or an article or anything about songwriting and how it works? And so no, I never have. I've never listened to good vibrations and like written down what's going on and, you know, looked at it from that perspective. You've never listened to good vibrations. I mean, I have, but I've never written down what I was listening to. Then you did. Is this what? Yeah, I- maybe not that song, but like, I think when I was trying to understand songwriting, somewhere probably early on or, or a few years into Dirty Ghosts, I would listen to, you know, really good songs. Mm-hmm. Some of the best songs. Okay, tell me, what are some of the- I don't know, I have no idea. Probably just some Beatles and Beach Boys and just really good classic songs that are universally loved and maybe not the most simple early Beatles style songs, or maybe maybe they were. Maybe She Was Hot by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and and I just write down what was going on, how many times it was happening, just sort of analyzing the music and why is this good and what, What's the change here? Is it going up? Is it going down? So I don't think that answers your question, but um, uh, I, can't re- I don't know. I went off in another direction. Well, I mean, it's, it kind of does because, I mean, it doesn't answer the question, but it leads me to sort of think that what you're saying is that you almost became more self-conscious or studied about the music you were writing. So inherently even if you visualized it in your mind, there, there would have to be f- some serious fine tuning based on what you learned. Oh yeah, and there still is. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I think that that's, um, you know, uh, that's, that's a quality. I think that's why people, you know, react when you say, send them songs, especially this song, you know, which, um, all the Dirty Ghost song albums have, uh, well, the two albums, but even song to song, especially on the first album, um, they're very uh, individual. Like, yeah, because there were the five years of of writing and and collaborating, you know, with like to various extents with the yes, working on the album with you, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the new one, to me, it does sound like the level of, uh, I mean, the level of sophistication that you are always aiming for, you know, but, but this is a, there's a lot of factors that made it easier for you to achieve it this time, you know? Yeah. Kelly helping was definitely a big part of it. Well, I mean, you know. He's really good. He's really good at music. He's a really good songwriter. He's a really good musician. And I, I mean, you know, I'd seen him at the horseshoe. I'd have to review it. I think I told you this, like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I don't think I remember this story. Yeah. Well, I was working at a a music distribution warehouse at outside music and Mm -hmm. they carried sub pop. So I, he, I think he had an album out on sub pop, maybe two. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they made me, so I knew about him. And then they were like, go review this. Now Magazine was like, go review this at, at uh, the Horseshoe. And I did. And I probably was like, this was pretty good. It's good stuff. Yeah. You know. And then lo and behold, 
18, 19, 37 years later. Mm-hmm. Guys are. And he's a very different um, type of musician, especially from maybe you like 10 years ago and certainly me, you know? He's, yeah. Yeah, he's, it's a whole other thing, you know? And there's a spontaneity to what he does that's, um, it's almost the yin to your yang. Like, not that you're not spontaneous, but to me, you're like... I'm not, I'm not spontaneous. Kind of a perfectionist with this stuff to the extent that before you start to do it, you go, do I do it now? Hmm. Yes, yes, definitely. Gotta learn that, gotta learn this, then, Mm -hmm. no? Yeah. Um, And that's probably, that's like a, that's a great thing, but uh, probably when you have it, it can be also, you know, just like anything. Like, I don't know. How do you feel about being on that? Well, I mean, I've put two records out in 10 years. You know what I mean? Spotify CEO would be all over you. He'd- yeah, that's not a good look for Spotify. But yeah, no, I, I, I take a really long time. Cause I, I overthink everything instead of just doing it, you know, I get too caught up in my own thoughts, which often leads to doubt. So instead Kelly is the opposite. He just comes in here and generally what he plays the first time, which for me would be a demo winds up being on his record. Right. Like, what do you mean? Like he just walks in and just like shreds for a couple minutes and then like, that's the Debut. No, he, he, he will come in and he'll write an entire song front to back that's recorded for the most part. And that will be the song that winds up on the album. When I do that, that song winds up being a demo that I sometimes spend up to a year fine tuning. And then in the course of like in the, with the last album, we took all those demos and we got rid of them and we re-recorded everything, which I'll, I won't do that again. You know, I think seeing the way, oh, this fly is driving me crazy. Seeing the way that Kelly works. Um, and, you know, he finishes like two or three albums in a year. Yeah. And also just a, just a better way. It's not a better way to do things. It's good for him. And it would be better for me if I could learn how to do things like that. And strange weather was like that. I did it. And I think because he came in on it, it, it prevented me from stopping and overthinking things and walking away and coming back and re-listening and this and that. It's just like, he just came in and laid something down and that would make me hear something else. And I would immediately throw that down and then he would throw something down on top of it. So we were, we're helping each other to work faster. Yeah. And it, it was probably the circumstances were, I mean, you've always, I think both of you have really benefited from having each other in that house and being able to produce stuff. But I mean, at a time where you couldn't really get together with any other musicians to have that access must've been just like, pushing you <laughs> to, to yeah i mean it what because if if tony sevener who drums in the band was able to come over you know we that would have been a whole other thing just to spend the time on getting the drums right and figuring out the drums with him and and recording it and trying to come up with a good recorded sound which we haven't successfully done in this room the, the two of us 
And with this, it was just like, because we couldn't get Tony in, it was like, let me just grab a loop and I'll, I'll just put everything together myself to the best of my ability. And it wound up being that type of a song. I mean, a lot of my favorite music is, is um, I guess, comes out of being demos. And, and, and when I say a lot of my favorite music, like a lot of legendary stuff, like not mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Black Dots by the Bad Brains. What is that, like a radio appearance or something? And, you know. I, I thought that was recorded. Maybe some of it was a radio appearance. I thought that was recorded outside like in their backyard or something or in their house that's what i'm saying though you know that even like one of the best records ever yeah and so good. And, and the um even bands like nuts like those shrimper tapes like the sort of folk psyche stuff you know like really benefits from that sort of uh raw sound and and then the hardcore devo albums you know sound like oh yeah They're sure like or alternate takes a lot of the time and they're better than um arguably better than you know the the records which are all i think so <laughs> i think the hardcore devo stuff is better than the second devo record yeah definitely um but but anyway i mean that's not to say that you shouldn't be doing um that type of work on it it's just like you should almost be i would almost make it like public you know it's like it's you're you're totally right because when you when you take something and you wind up, you're in a completely different environment and way more time has gone by and you've been able to make decisions that maybe you shouldn't have been able to make because time went by. And it, it's just like a combination of all these variables. You wind up with something that's completely different and sometimes it's better and sometimes it's not. Like, the demos that we made for the second album, I'm sure I'm the only one in the world that could say this, but I think some of those demos are better and they don't sound better, but, but just the, the spirit is different, you know, the... You know, you sent me those demos. Yeah, it's got like the feeling is different and sometimes you can't really recreate that. You just try to, you don't try to recreate it. You just decide you can't and you're just, you're just going to settle for, it's just going to be something different. I mean, and you accept that. Just in terms of that, it's like an interesting thing just to think about like albums being sort of snapshots, right. Of your mindset, uh, of your, you know, what's going on in your life at a specific time. And when there is that lag, you know, I wonder, I wonder how that affects it. It doesn't, it might not be a negative. Like you, it's just like, you know, I think I think that the draw with 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 music and people is is immediacy. You know, and 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 so I think that's why the the demos are so powerful sometimes for people. I totally agree. I agree, and it's like that first thought down on tape kind of thing, and first thought, best and thought. that's hard. Yeah, sometimes it's like that's you know that is truly what you're trying to say without thinking about it or trying to make it be something that's just the first thing that comes out intriguing and trying to say because that what's that intriguing you would say trying to say because that leads to another subject i wanted to get to as as we okay. through the podcast yes <laughs> is uh lyrics you know um you were in parchment farm uh and, and so after you moved to
which must have just been such a crazy period of time because you were like adjusting to a new job, a new city, and a new band. I mean, how, how, what was that, a year into you, you being in San Francisco? Yes. That was actually three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Two and, two and a half, three. It's still an adjustment. You were pretty young and, you know, it's, uh, but, but I guess what I mean is like at that point, the Eric, the singer, was writing the lyrics for that, right? Mm-hmm. And he was singing. Yeah. And then Parchment Farm breaks up, and here we are. You're alone again, naturally, like this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you've got these, this friend, Carson, and, yep. and, and then, you know, this guy who can make beats, Ian Babbitts. And, mm-hmm making dirty ghosts and deciding that you there is no way you can sing uh sorry there's no way you wanted to sing but you could not find a singer correct then what then what happened yeah where did things go wrong oh they're good the vocals are great i mean you know i still i still wish we could have found a singer but it just didn't happen well, it's not for me. Singing's not for me, but I do it because, you know, someone's got to do it. It's got to be done. And I do like having control over that aspect of it, but I just don't like, I don't, I don't get um, the same uh, pleasure in singing that I get out of playing guitar. It's so different. Yeah. Well, you're very, being the type of guitarist you are, even stage presence wise, you know, like you lean into um, the playing, like you just like feel it and then totally. respond to that. And hopefully the crowd thinks that sounds good and that you look yeah. like it. And so they like it. And um, then to be singing on top of that is like a huge challenge. I, I have it's no tough. How I could do that. If it's I- tough. I- I think if you enjoy it, it's one thing, but I don't know what that's like. For me, playing guitar is such a joy. So being on stage and playing and just having your mind really being nowhere, completely outside of yourself and playing is the best feeling. But then when you add singing into the mix, it's like now you're like battling with this other thing because for me, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know, it's not joy. It's like, I'm not sure what the word, right, what the right word would be, but it's like, it's something that I have to really pay attention to and try and work through. I feel like it's kind of like paddling through mud and, for, and playing guitar is like gliding. Right. So it's like these two opposing feelings that are really weird. So I, I guess... So there's like a struggle going on with the singing, whereas there's no struggle going on with the guitar playing. So they're two really weird feelings. And I've always, I've, you know, there's reasons why I've only wanted to stay in one lane and not have both things going on at the same time. But you do play and sing. I have to. So. I have to. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Couldn't you lip sync? I could. I mean, aren't there things people can do? I, yeah. heard, you know, I heard there's a, a singer 
for a band named Nasty Cherry named Chloe. <laughs> I bet she'd be happy to sing for your band. We're, we're both fans of the TV show. Yes, thank you for introducing me to that. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's so my speed. I love it. Oh, me too. I honestly love so good. It's not good. It's horrible, but it is my speed, exactly. It's horrible, but I also don't think, like, the people involved are particularly, like, I don't, I'm not really watching it because I think these people are shitty people at all, or shitty no. people. No, no, no. They're all pretty good, you know, but, but it's something where, like, the presentation is weird. Yeah. You didn't have a lot to go on story-wise. and, and No. Looming shadow of COVID over the whole thing, where you know they're fucked. I know it's a, you're absolutely right. Which is not funny, except for the fact that we're all kind of screwed. So you might as well laugh at how we were all we're all. Haha. Right. Hey, you're gonna write so many songs now. I don't know. We'll see. That I haven't hadn't written a song in a long time, or I hadn't completed a song in years years really or actually no that's not really true i haven't recorded a completed song that's a different thing totally different. And, and, and i did this and it was like the lockdown thing happened and i just i came in here one day and i just started working on it and decided i'm gonna finish this and i think it was because of that third man video show that was what that was what that was what kind of lit the fire underneath me to finish it and turn it in. I, need, I needed a deadline. I was told I might be doing one of those, and then I never heard, never heard back. I didn't even I know. don't know that they're doing it anymore. I think it kind of, I think they might have stopped doing it. Yeah, so you were given a deadline, and you just did it, and... I think I just needed a deadline. I, I had started it, and shortly after, I, um, word was received of said deadline, and I was able to finish the song because I knew I had to turn something in and I couldn't just throw it in my hard drive and leave it there to rot like everything else. Yeah. That sounded negative, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's, well, rot is a whole thing. Yeah. And it's, rotting is gross. It really is. Thank you so much for listening to this talk with Allison Baker. Thank you so much for listening to all of the things I talk about if you are a returning listener and if you are someone who listens regularly and you have a little bit of money to burn and who doesn't these days the economy is blowing up I would say that supporting the podcast goes a really long way we do have monthly costs Andy Lloyd uh, produces all the interview episodes he does a wonderful job couldn't do it without him um, we're just trying to get a little bit so that we don't go hungry and don't spend our food baby money on internet and podcasting. So you can give a one-time support amount at ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan or become a patron at patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. If you're enjoying this interview, do it. If you're enjoying the whole show, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. It's fine. But I appreciate it if you can. Someone said once, I love you and your dreams. That was what they said when they gave me some money. I thought that was really nice. So send me a nice message. You don't have to give money with the message. But money is good. 
for now. Pretty soon we'll live in a utopia where it's just uh, play for play. But until that day, money is real and your support is appreciated. If you can't do it, subscribe, review, blah, share. If you like something, share. My ideal Brar interview is so good and I, I really think it's worth spreading around because it's very interesting and somewhat evergreen. So anyway, here's the rest of my interview with Allison. Thanks for listening. But yeah, so um, it's it's. Uh, I was asking you about the vocals, partly because I mean you're you're kind of underrating it. Like you you study you took vocal lessons. You know you tried to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, I did. Plus, just knowing music. I mean, I don't even play, and so it's always been just like. The actual musicality has been the challenge for me. But I also have the, op, like, what you experience with guitar is what I experience, like, when I'm doing vocals, you know? It's, it's like I get into it, and I'm having fun, and I like it, and I get, you know? And, and uh, but at the same time, I think having that musical background must, uh, like, make you know what you want out of the vocal. At the very least. Yeah, I do. I do. I just feel like I can't execute them or, or I try to execute them to the best of my ability, but sometimes it doesn't come out the way I want it to, which is why the vocals sound drastically different in, on Strange Weather than they do on the last album and even on the first album. Yeah, but that's another thing I like about it is just like the, the, the vocal style shifts and, and probably improves, you know? So, like. Yeah, I think I just was like, I don't have to sing so hard. Like, why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing that? I don't need to do that. Once I realize that like, oh, I don't need to sing as hard as I possibly can. Maybe that's not a good thing. We're not all Tom so, Jones. No, 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 certainly not. So, um, so yeah, I think with this song, I was like, I'm gonna, I gotta dial that back. Yeah, I mean, I always thought that Dirty Ghosts and the vocals, there's like, it's almost like a synth, you know, or a, like an, it really feels like an extra instrument, you know, as much as it feels like, you know, listening to Yanni do his <laughs> singing. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And well, I hear, I hear it, I hear it like an instrument in my head before it, you know, I mean, I never write lyrics before I write the music. I can never do that. I usually hear a pattern, which is what was going on with Team Crowd Combo. Like, I'd hear this rhythm, this like choppy pattern in my head. And sometimes I'd hear a tune. So it was just a matter of combining those two things and then having to wedge words into those spaces. Yeah. That's typically how I do it. Well, I mean, that kind of moves into the the main event I wanted to ask about, which is... Right, let's do it. How do you do it? Lyrics? Yeah, I mean, you've... you've oh, it's so brutal. It's just... About lyrics before, and I just wonder what it is that gets to you about writing lyrics. Because I hear your lyrics. I like them. Uh, like, what's... 
you know, what's the difficulty there? Is it the same thing? And also, is there difficulty? Because you do write the lyrics and then sing them and it's done and it sounds good. So what's the problem? That's a really good question. I think there, it's, it's hard for me because I don't, I'd never spent time writing lyrics at any point in my life. Right. Or writing period or writing poetry or thinking about other people's lyrics or I never think about other people's lyrics. Like I couldn't sing you the words to any song. What about, um, could you sing the words? I mean, I can, but I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm singing half the time. Caroline. It's weird, but I could sing you the guitar solos. So I think I just process music in my own weird way where words are just sounds. There's no meaning behind them. Right. So when I'm talking right now, it's just like the parents and peanuts. Kind of. Well, no, it's just in, it's just in music. It's just in music. And, and so for me to try to Bridge. come into music. Yeah. Well, it's just like, now I have to look at music in a completely different light that I never had for my entire life. That's amazing. That's like, prof- so hard. It, yeah, it is, but it's really hard. So I think if you're someone who's a, a really good writer, that would be a good situation. But for me, it's just it's another thing that I just had to spend a lot of time working at. It did not come naturally to me. And generally when I'm making demos, I will record a vocal, some kind of vocal where I'm just going, you know, blah, blah, blahing or... It doesn't, that never sounds as good as that just did, but so I'll be, I'll get used to the sounds that I'm making of these unintelligible lyrics. And sometimes I'll just say stuff that's meaningless and I'll actually get so used to it because I'll be sitting on these demos for so long that I become attached to the sounds of the words and I'll have to find a way to use those words in the song. And sometimes that's how things get written. That's interesting. I don't, I would imagine that there's like a lot of musicians who have the same situation as you, you know? I think some of, I was, yeah, like I've heard some interview with Animal Collective where that guy Panda Bear was talking about how he makes music and he said it's the same thing. Like he hears words of sounds and, and vowels. That too is another thing where I think if you're, for me, because I'm a singer who struggles certain words are harder to say than others like uh, well if you're sing if you're singing and and the the phrase ends with the word wrong or uh you know i don't know a word that ends in r something where it's garbled and your mouth gets really small at the end as opposed to a word that has a vowel at the end of it, like hello, mm-hmm. that's easier to sing when you don't have good control over your voice than a word where you're closing your mouth at the end of the word or the sentence. If that makes any, no, I that can- makes any sense. So when you listen to, to a band like Animal Collective, you hear these big vowels in their songs. You hear a lot of O's and ah's. And... I never hear them, like, I couldn't tell you the lyrics to one Animal Collective song. And I've, I've heard them, you know, and I've, I like, you know, them, the animal. I like... Well, it's not even about the lyrics. It's just about the sounds that you're hearing from 
these big vowels, which is, I think, what I tend to do. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good. And strangely, yeah, it's more, pre it's pretty prevalent now. I feel like that band Tune Yards or whatever was like that, Tune Yards and... You know, oh, man, she she can sing. She can sing anything. She's a great singer, but it's, oh my god, she's so good. It's a very percussive, like not percussive. She is very percussive. I don't think she's restricted by anything no. that she's doing. But she is very what all the all the things you're talking about. She's very percussive, and York is like that a little bit too. And yeah, yeah. There's so so, and I I I understand that in both of those cases, those are people who you know, did you just kill a fly. I'm just trying to. This fly has been driving me nuts for this entire interview. <laughs> I saw. I think it got away. Damn it! Damn it! Okay, sorry. Flying here, and I had that like really fun fly thing where you like just kind of swat at it, open open hand, and you sort of just like bounce it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I like to catch it. Ooh, that's that's crazy. I do it all the time. I'm actually pretty good at it. Catch and release. I catch and uh, squish. Oh my god! And then you know, release whatever is you know either a flying, <laughs> a flying fly or a dead fly. You got it. These are lyrics right here. Yeah, you should see me in action. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. That's like talent. Uh... Body kid, except he used chopsticks. I if I spent more time working on lyrics and less time catching flies, damn it, that fly is still going. I get you. <laughs> you had murder in your eyes just there. Yeah, I was really focused. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm just saying, like those those two that we have, like maybe uh, they're very grounded, obviously, in being the front people of their their groups, but yeah. Well, I think it just sounds like a lot of this is has to, you know, and and I really respect this perspective, but it's like it has to do with being kind of in awe of music, you know, and sure, sure, people's role in music. Like I know that both of us kind of have had that thing of you know, uh, just really thinking people are super talented to the point where it's like. How can I be like this, or how could I ever be like this? You know. Sure. And um, I respect that perspective so much, but I think it also can like get in our way, right? Like definitely, for sure. Yeah. But does it? You know, in the long term, like we're talking short term still with us. Hopefully. I don't know. Like, you ever have that thing where you're at a. Like show and then you wind up having to talk to the person in the band and you're like freaking out in your head and you're just like is this vibe leaking out of me <laughs> 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 trying to cover this but i feel like the vibes you know yeah i've been there and then they're friends with someone you know and then they like leave because yeah you know I'm, t I'm i'm talking about yanni who i mentioned earlier the singer. oh but yeah, I mean, I think that it's, this is so Canadian of you. You're being like so humble. It's very funny to me, you know, that you're just like, it, like the first thing that we're ready to admit is, you know, that we're not as great as we want to be, <laughs> you know, which is like the opposite of Americans. It really is. Right. And it's the opposite of some Canadians too. Sure, sure. Where's our ego, Al?
I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of musicians feel that way, but I don't know that people talk about it. Well, that's a great point. You know, like it's, it's, I, I think it's, um, there has to be that funny middle ground between. Always, always. I think every musician deals with a lot of self doubt, especially in, you know, making music and releasing it. And can I, you know, I, I was just able to do it. Can I do it again? Will I still have it tomorrow? Is this any good? Does anyone care? I just think it's just like any artist or, I don't know. That seems common to me. I don't know anyone who doesn't experience that. I mean, I was listening to an interview today where someone was saying how, you know, they think that creative types are just sort of very often hard on themselves, you know, and um, what they do. And, and, I, you know, I feel like I am too, but my response to that is sometimes to just sort of like close my eyes and just put the thing out, you know? Yeah, I need to get better at doing that. Although I'm glad I was able to do it with Strange Weather, which is the only reason that song came out, because I was able to just do it. But you know, like, like I, ha I have the last... The last Dirty Ghost record came out in 2015, and I, I've been writing the whole time. I know, but you've been writing. scary. I mean, I've just been sitting on music for years. Just put it's it crazy. It's, it's insane. Literally, a band camp is, is partly there so you can test songs, you know? It's, it I never, I'd never thought about it. I think I was so, my brain was so wired to think that you have to put an album out on a label. It has to come out at this time and there has to be this and there has to be that because that's how we had done it you, you were born at a very very uh strange kind of bridging period between like the downloads like the sort of actually if people hear you just from napster or something <laughs> napster i feel like yeah. i really dated myself but um you know on morpheus or soul seek or audio galaxy soul seek and they're like, yeah, right. this band live, and then maybe I'll buy like vinyl or a shirt or something. And right. that being as good as, you know, like signing to a major in, on some level in terms of the fandom. And then that went even further, um, probably thanks to like two dope boys and, and these types of, of like, uh, is it called two? Dat Piff, like those mixtape websites that got people feeling really crazy. Okay. Uh, like hip hop, I feel that same mentality got into like band camp and um, mm -hmm. you know, those types of, uh, of, of grassroots things. And then you're at the point now where it's like, you are better off probably if you have a fan base, at least checking in, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, and it's- Yeah, it's I, it never occurred to me to like do any of that. Well, it's hard to do. There's so much that you're supposed to do. I know, I know. It just didn't, it did not occur to me, although I participate in it going in the other direction. But it just never, it did not occur to me. It didn't occur to me to just put out one song digitally. Yeah. I didn't even think about doing that until after we decided we were going to release the video. Meanwhile, who let the dogs out? Tell me. I don't know what you mean. I mean, um, you know, you can put out one song. 
like there and just it can catch you know and people can want more like there's there's no rhyme or reason to right right or or it cannot catch and you can put another one out yeah that's also the other thing to do and that's that's one of the hardest steps to take right is yes. like doing something and being like oh nobody likes it and then being like i guess i maybe they do like it and there's only just so many people who are hearing it i guess i better try something else or yeah and i i find it really hard taking that step because i i personally like thrive on encouragement you know and yeah and i know that that's not true of i mean it's true of a lot of people but i i think there are people who have that vision and just like go on ahead but unfortunately i'm kind of chained to approval yeah i mean i don't know what do you think of all that i don't know i think for me it's like i've never really been one of those people that's like i absolutely need to make music put it out you know play for five people i don't care press my own records i don't care if anyone buys them i like i i've always i can't just do it for the sake of doing it you know i i don't think i could go through all the trouble just to do it for myself but you're sick. and have and have a whole you know have a whole room in my house that's just like records that i press that no one's ever bought or, or whatever that so, was the pressing room you could ever be in do you know people in rooms like that oh yeah Oh my God. But Al, like you are doing it for yourself. Oh yeah. No, no, no. So I'm saying that now, now I think I was a bit lost when we put out that last record and like, I knew we weren't going to work with Lasking again and the band fell apart and I, you know, I, I was super burnt out and I didn't know what I wanted to do or, or if I even wanted to keep going. And I definitely didn't have that drive of, I need to just do it just because it's my, life force to just be always be creating like it's really not i think my my it's my more of my life's force to always be playing yeah um and and creating for sure but like creating and going to the next step of like output i need to feel like maybe someone there's someone out there that wants to hear it or maybe i just need to feel within myself that this should be heard well, I mean, that that's a cool thing that's happened with you too in this period of time, you know, you, you've kind of got the playing side is now external of the songwriting in that, mm -hmm. you know, you were, you, sometimes you'll play with Kelly Stoltz if he doesn't have, um, you know, if he needs someone to play because you can do it. And Yeah, I mean, I, did, I played with him for like a good three years, but I'm not now. Yeah, you were touring with him. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Red Room Orchestra, which is you playing, you know, a lot of the time movie soundtrack type of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, like the songs, uh, the, like, like the original soundtrack sometimes, but probably more so like songs that appear in movies, right? Yeah, a little bit of both. So that at, at things like San Francisco Sketch Fest and stuff. But, um, yeah. And it sounds to me like that would probably inform what you were talking about earlier, which is just uh, songwriting, like the like hearing a song and picking a part of song. Because I remember sure. you talked to me about was that a Simon and Garfunkel song that you had to sing? 
No, I didn't have to sing it, but I think I had to learn one. But wasn't there one that you sang on the radio? No, who was that? It wasn't Simon and Garfunkel, but it was like something like that. Yeah, it was like, uh, I mean, I, I, what, whatever the case, whoever it was, um, you know, uh, that I remember you were talking about that to me and, and uh, I remember you were really interested in like the songwriting for some reason and just like seeing what type of song it was and that it was like more complicated than you thought, you know? and more challenging than you thought. And it's like, it's mm -hmm. like that would be on top of just getting to play like a plus of playing this kind of music. Yeah, definitely. There, the thing that was so good about that and why to me, it was easy for me to walk away from dirty ghosts and go do that was because that was, that's like going to school. It's like going to music school, playing with all those amazing players and playing, having to learn all this music with, a gun to your head with like, okay, there's a show in X amount of weeks and there's, you know, 80 songs that you need to learn of musical styles you've never played and, um, you know, finger picking and soloing and this and like all kinds of stuff that is not in my regular wheelhouse in Dirty Ghost World. Yeah, Dirty Ghost World, which is full of beans and burrito bean burritos yeah it's just you know it's just like quirky guitar playing or whatever my style is that i play in that band but in uh red room orchestra like we're playing so many different styles of music that you you have to learn and then you have to beyond learning it pull it off and do it well and just slip into the role of being like okay now i'm just like a spanish finger picking guitar player which is awesome yeah. Then on top of yeah, that, it's great. It's great. You know, that guy, Eric Paparazzi, who I met through uh, um, Neil Hamburger, he was touring with him as like a guitarist. And so we... He's unbelievable. He's so damn good. He's unbelievable. And, and, you know, part of that is because he just like, uh, he takes it seriously, but he has like a sort of like joy or lightness to it. You know, I saw him with Cat Power. He was basically like the conductor of the power three-piece band and now he's in all these documentaries and stuff and it, it, it's like i just think that one of the reasons people must ask you to do this is because of that perfectionism and the fact that you take it you know pretty seriously when people ask you to do stuff i do definitely you know what i i have to for me it's like those gigs are really hard and i never let anyone know how difficult it is i just I just kind of like take my homework and I'm like, okay, we'll see you in two weeks. And then I go home and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to, this is so hard. This is so much more like, I, I'm so out of my zone I, beyond that. It's just, yeah, well, we've, this is so much more, this is so much more advanced than anything that I could ever possibly do. And yet I said I would do it and it has to be done. And it's, and it's got to, like, I have to be able to just walk in the room and play with all these other guys who are that good. So whatever it takes to get there, I'll, I'll make it work. But they're all good. Like, they're all what seems effortlessly good because of, like, the time they were asked to do what you're being asked to do. Well, they, these guys just, they're, they're pro. Well, I know, but at some point, 
you know, when they were asked, unless I'm sure some of them are so good that it's, you know, different, but, but a lot of people would be like, well, the first time they're playing with a bunch of people, they probably feel daunted, right? I mean, it's right, not kind of, yeah. And it's exactly what you were saying, maybe, where it's just like their insecurity. You were saying how a lot of people have that insecurity they don't mention. I would imagine that would exist in all these players, but I don't quite get the brain of a session player. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> these guys are ringers. They're they're just like they don't even need to think about what they're doing. They're so advanced that. Well, it's like Eric who we were just talking about. It's like I don't know what exactly. He... They're all guys like Eric. Yeah, I mean, that is like a high level, but at the same time, a lot of those people are like a bit older, like they have a lot of experience. Like, even though you've been playing forever, it's like they have like 20 more years. No, 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 this is, this is, but, and these guys do it for a living, so they play way more than I do, way more. The other thing is just the more you do it, you know, the more, um, the more that comfort comes, you know, and, and it's like, that's my least favorite thing about, you know, sporadic performance is just mm -hmm. you lose that kind of instant confidence and the ability to play within like what you already know, because you know, sure. you can kind of, as unless you can, unless you're improvising, like, or you're jamming, but for music, well, well, no, I'm just saying like, sometimes there's, situations with like the Red Room Orchestra where within a song, we can kind of just go off. Vamp. We can vamp. Yeah, vamp would be one example of that. What is another example? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> Sometimes you sound so sad when I ask you a question. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Not sad, but. I know, what you, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that's all about. Say resigned would yeah. be. Yeah. I think it's probably just because I'm thinking. Oh, well, now that, you know what? That's huge. That's a major real, that, I think that's a milestone in our friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Al. Well, Nick. I'm going to read you some of the questions that they threw your way. Let's hear them. I had a bunch of other questions for you, but I, I think we did good. I think we did great. And, and so, so I'm just going to ask you, okay, how did, so Katie Whitaker, my former bandmate in Brutal Nights, your friend, our friend, uh, yeah. thirsty and miserable in, uh, Toronto, Ontario, support them. How did she get so good? How did you get so good at guitar? <laughs> I actually would like to ask Katie that question <laughs> about herself because she is so good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that probably both of you have similar answers. We probably did exactly the same thing, which was spend a lot of time in our bedrooms as teenagers practicing. Yeah, women in rock. Women in bedrooms women. practicing <laughs> rock. <laughs> that should be your new... Hashtag? You're in a bedroom with one of those car beds, so it's yeah. kind of... Uh, you have a coffee, but yep. all that is a craft beer. Yep. And you and Katie, you're drinking the coffee. Katie's drinking. Yep. The she loves totally. Coffee. Yep. And you interview Nasty Cherry every week. A different member is having a riff off with you. Uh, so the question next is from uh, Craig Waddy, another mutual friend. 
what guitarist influenced her, you? What guitarist influenced you the most, and why is it Guitar Junior Brown? I think what he means to say is, why is it Junior Brown? Yes, and also you responded to this already. I did. I have a solid answer for this, so. I I do have a solid answer. I have a great answer. Mm -hmm. So Brian Connolly of Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet, who is my, one of my many guitar heroes, but was definitely a very early guitar hero. Man, I find, when I finally met him, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's a great guy and obviously an amazing. Um, oh, my God. I'm still, I still have a hard time just treating him like he's a regular person because he's so – I'm just in such awesome – This is what I'm talking about, this, this thing we have with the vibe leaking out. I know. The vibe is always leaking out around Brian. <laughs> that sounds – Leakage. Leakage. Hor- horrible. Up. Get a deep- so, anyway – I luck. I was lucky enough to have befriended Brian early on in my, you know, being out and playing in bands and um, the Shuttlecocks doing that seven inch with the Heat Seekers, which was Brian's band. Very first band, the Shuttlecocks. So I met I met Brian Connolly like really early on, and I definitely glommed onto him and was like, "Tell me all your tricks. Like, what do I, who do I listen to? What you know." what guitar should I play? What is this weird thing that you plug into your guitar? It was like a reverb unit that he used. I didn't understand what anything was, but I was just trying to get him to spill all of his secrets. So he made me a tape and one side of it was Junior Brown and the other side was Speedy West. Cause I was asking him like, who are your biggest guitar influences? And I thought he was going to say something that I would recognize. And he was like, no, just these country guys. Like, who did you think he was going to say? Like, Ingvi or uh, Dick Dale? Yeah, I thought he would go more for, like, the Shadows and the Ventures guys and stuff like that. But Dick Dale. And, but, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I was not expecting him to send me this country stuff. Which has the greatest guitar. I mean, it's if- incredible. It's incredible. It's all, like, that super fast, like, you know, like, all that crazy shit. There's that, that twangy guitar that's, like you know the the surf rock took when you hear it even i feel like buddy holly had shit like that or like sun record stuff did too you know and and it's like you know like that twangy fast kind of thing like yeah yeah definitely it's so impressive and i probably like it better than a lot of the surf rock just because it has that sometimes when things have that more immediate like isolated sound which a lot of that guitar has like yeah it does me so anyway go on so yeah so brian made me these two tapes and he was just like these are my guitar dudes get into this shit and i did i i mean i think i saw junior brown like two years ago yeah that's it see this is what i'm talking about no i'm still keeping up you're keeping up even though like pulp fiction came out so long ago. <laughs> All right, even though he's not in it that's like- it's true they're like Los Lobos and Junior Brown will be playing now. The Bamboo Club. <laughs> and but, but but Brian like Brian Brian needed to validate that for me or else I don't think I would have found it on my own. I needed to see it through Brian's eyes. 
in yep. order to realize how cool it was. Well, that's true of so much stuff. It's like Bob, you know, Bob, Bob Dylan's like the, the influence. You can talk about all those people who are like the first people he talks about, like Ramblin' Jack Elliott and, you know, Pete Seeger. But Jimmy Rogers from the 30s was like a huge influence on him. And, you know, if I hadn't heard that guy, Jimmy Rogers, like, I don't know what I would do. When I finally heard that stuff, I was like, how is this from 1930? You know, like, how is the music so good? And how are the vocals? Like, how is this so engaging? You know, uh -huh. like it's, and, and yeah. So, I mean, that's more like when you get introduced to that stuff, you know, um, it's, it's just so exciting you know, th especially through a person that you really respect, you know, generally, yeah, for sure. generally that's why. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's see. There's only a couple more here. So ask her about the slits doc. Um, I actually had no involvement on the slits doc, but it led to an involvement in a, another documentary that is, uh, not yet released. So yeah, we have a we have a mutual mutual friend named Bill Badgley who made the slit stock and the carp doc before that and the carp doc before that. And when he was making it, I remember having a lot of thoughts or you know wanting him to ask about certain things because I love that band. After the slits, he also did the um, what's that guy's name again? Um, you know. The, the documentary after that. Um, Don Letts. The Don Letts documentary, which I, I really need to see. Yeah, that is not out yet, but it will be out soon, I hope. So, yeah, so when, when Bill, was, Bill was touring the Slits doc and it was coming to San Francisco, he asked me to moderate it, which is like, you know, you know what that job is. Sure. And I, and I was just like, I really don't want to do that. I do not want to stand with the mic in the movie theater and do the cute. Like, I just, I can't. Uh, hey, do you want to do the movie? I, public speaking is so hard for me. I can't deal. It's really, I really dislike it. So I told him, I, I was just like, please don't make me do this. I don't want to do it. And he, he encouraged me and he said that um, Tessa Pollitt from the Slits was going to be there and that I could ask her questions. I was like, oh, okay, I'll definitely do it. Now, Tessa played what instrument in the Slits? She, she played bass. Okay, yeah. So she wound up um, having to cancel, but I still did it. And when it was done, I, you know, and it was great. I was totally blown away by how good it was. And when it was done, I told Bill... He and I had worked together in the past because I used to be his booking agent for his old band, Federation X. You were a booking agent. Yeah, so I told him that if he ever gets the funds um, on his next project that he should hire me and I would love to work for him and work on these movies with him. So when he was working on the Don Letts movie, some, you know, there was an opportunity. So he wrote me and he said, are you ready to, you know, you ready to rock and I was like when am I not so I yeah I've nothing to do with the slits documentary but I was I did work on the Don Letts documentary and I which is, which is coming out hopefully this year maybe next year I don't know Bill helped me get a temporary job as a building manager as well yes 
That's right. Change for uh, housing. So thanks, Bill. Uh, so uh, next question. Again, this is the kind of question. There's a lot of questions here that are very kind of, I don't know. They don't really get, uh, they're not really questions. They're more people saying, you gotta ask. Right, her. right, sure. Um, you gotta ask Kurt Newman, <laughs> great guitarist. Oh, yeah. Kurt Newman, you got to ask about the inside baseball 90s rotate this goss. Now, this is <laughs> who's my age, and he's using the term goss for gossip. That's okay. So, no, I'm just pointing it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not criticizing him. I'm just leaning into pointing that out. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, you worked at Rotate This, the venerable indie rock record store. Yes, briefly. Well, I bought records. I believe, I mean, I definitely hung out there a ton. I, for me, sometimes I can't remember when I was working there or when I was just hanging out there. I never worked there, but, like, I was there all the time for quite Yeah, we, we all were. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have much gossip, though. I mean, what kind of gossip would you have? Like There was not a lot of gossip being... I don't know. I mean, I always felt like, you know, Rotate This was one of the originators in Canada of like the snide record clerk, high fidelity type. Oh, definitely. But to be honest with you, I mean, I didn't get that vibe from a lot of the people who worked there. Even Brian Taylor, who's like famously like that, this like bearded, um, somewhat uh, grouchy, ish you know um terse. yeah but that yeah like, but that's because you know how to deal with that you know how to deal with people like that take it <laughs> you just fucking take it and with a smile on your face and then eventually they pity you mm -hmm. and you're, you're cool right oh i don't know you engage them that's all you, you engage them exactly it's like but yeah, there's not, so like. I got nothing, Kurt, I'm sorry. You got nothing. Okay, well, I'm gonna ask one last question from my list of questions. And that is, two questions actually. Favorite animal? Golden Retriever. Great animal. Or I had a, I referred to Best. your former dog, Murphy, uh, in one of the questions. Oh, wow. I'm not gonna ask you that, because where would that even go? And then the second question is, uh, what's the closest that you ever came to moving from the U.S.? You moved to the U.S. And now, and, and I'm wondering, you know, were there times where it was like, maybe I should move? You, it doesn't have to be back to Canada. It's just like, did you ever think, maybe I'll try it here. Maybe I'll leave. This is too expensive. No. There's never, ever been any question of moving anywhere else other than Toronto. Right. So I feel like if there is going to be a move, it was going to be to Toronto. And I think the closest I came to really moving was probably in, probably in like the last couple years of my marriage when Parchment Farm was done and Dirty Ghost wasn't really anything we were just kind of sitting around and writing and I think I had quit working for the booking agency and I just was kind of like I felt a little 
aimless in my life. And maybe it's time for a big change. Maybe it's time for a move. Maybe I should go back home. Maybe I need to be near my family, this, that, and the other. And then things eventually changed, you know, like there was a big upheaval around the corner. So that just sort of happened, which was like divorce. Fly there. <laughs> What's that? Sorry oh yeah, no, though I, was, I tried to catch the fly, but he got away yet again. I've honestly never had this much trouble with one fly in an, in an hour and a half. It's crazy. They're usually way dead by now. So you mentioned divorce. Oh yeah. So that, which led to actually like a bunch of really positive things because dirty ghosts got going around that time and uh-huh. um, whatever was going on with like my job was better. And it just seemed like, I don't know, all these things just sort of fell apart and I had to deal it was more and, a project, you know, during the, the period of time that it was, you were, you were married as well, I think. Dirty yeah. And it was kind of just like, there were no real plans to do anything with it or there was no, you know, it was kind of during the time when there was no singer and, and I don't know. So, uh, I think I kind of got a hold on the direction of my life somewhere shortly after that. So it seemed like, okay, well maybe now is not the time to move, but. I'll re- revisit this down the road. Right. So yeah. now, now I'm down the road and it's the same thing. It's like, I'm still thinking about it. Well, now is a special period of time where I think a lot of, if you have the power to move to Canada, I think a lot of people are considering it, you know? It's such a good thing. I mean, I have all my American friends are, you know, envious that I could even do that. I mean, they always say that every time there's like an election or something bad happens, but it does feel like this is the one situation that might, you know, make, I guess, them become refugees? I guess. I don't know. It's just, I mean, you can basically just die from walking outside here right now Yeah. in a different way than you can in, in Toronto. I mean, I'm sure you could hear. It's just I, you can. It's just not as likely. It's, it's apparently it's really unlikely. I mean, I don't buy it, but I do know that. Um, I just think that we're like a really cautious, you know, city. We can we can have like these really really reckless things happen. Like they have all these clips of like parties and stuff, but you get so shamed for stepping out of line. You know? Yeah, I know that you wind up just kind of like falling in line. And it's, it's funny to me that right now we're like reopen shit, but like people are wearing more masks, and, you know, they're like, it, it feels like people are having the same response as me, which is just like, I don't know, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, come on back. And I, I, you know, we talk about it. We talk about it. Burrito or two. What's that? a burrito or two didn't you oh it's brought a burrito for me like, i did san francisco i feel like i ate a lot of it though i still kind of feel bad about that i was really hungry i mean just that you did that i really appreciate so well, you know thank you for being thank you for being a friend no problem this feels like a good place to end i think so well allison this I'll- was real this was real it was real um enlightening yeah it was great it was insightful out of 10 i'm gonna give it a 10 
give it a 10. I'm giving it a 10. Deal with that. Podcast will give this 10 stars, which means you review it twice. Giving yep. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to stop recording now. Okay. And that was my talk with my good buddy, Allison Baker of the Dirty Ghosts. Remember, dirtyghost.bandcamp.com. You can hear strange weather. Dirty Ghosts on Twitter. Dirty, dirty, dirty Ghosts on Instagram. Um, I really enjoyed having this talk with Allison. I always love talking to Allison. But it's rare that we get to sit down and, um, you know, I just get to be reminded of how much care she puts into the things she does. So, um, you know, thanks for talking to me, Allison. Thanks for listening to me, people. And I'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you for listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. Bye! Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly.